non ci deve essere più niente, bisogna cominciare subito. Coraggio, al lavoro, buttate giù. Dico bene, autore? Sì, grazie. Arrivederci, ragazzi. Ci vediamo in un prossimo. Lo speriamo. Welcome to Cinema Italia, a podcast dedicated to the world of Italian cinema. Presented by me, John Bleasdale. Welcome to Cinema Italia, new podcast exploring panorama of Italian cinema. Today, my guest is Laura Samani. She is a young director of the wonderful film Il Piccolo Corpo, Small Body, which I saw at Cannes and which is now available on streaming platforms uh, everywhere. And we're going to be talking about Non Essere Cattivo, which which has a, a, a not great translation for the title in English. Yeah, it would be don't be bad, I think, but but still, it's something is not like properly working in a way in the translation. It's like a, a like word to word translation, but I, I'm not sure that it gives back the feeling of what it means because it's it's a sentence that grandma could say to the nephews uh, or uh, something like that. So it's like a common way of saying something in Italian, which is like telling someone that is younger than you or that is more riot than you are, but you have to be allowed to say kind of this sentence in order to, yeah, to contain, to restrain your field of action. And, and especially it's not bad, but it's mean. Don't be mean rather than don't be bad in a way. Don't, don't be naughty almost, isn't it? Like when you say to a child, you know, don't be yeah. naughty. You know? Yeah, naughty would be the perfect word, actually. Yeah, because it's like when someone doesn't behave properly, you know, but it's not something that I could tell. Um, yeah, it's something that I could tell some friends of mine if they're being like unpolite. But still, it, it sounds weird, you know. It's funny because it's, in the film, as you know, there is this T-shirt on a, on a teddy bear with it. And since I rewatched it before our meeting, I was like, wow, I didn't remember that because it, it still makes sense without reading it in the, inside the film. So, but for me as well, I struggled a bit to find the proper film because uh, in a way it's like this film will represent me because I will choose it and then it will tell something about my poetic. And then no, I stopped uh, and I was like, so what was the event in a way mm. that uh, speak to me the most uh, in the last years? Uh, so on a bigger scale, in a way, not only mm. about like uh, what inspired me, but uh, mostly like what was the dynamic, uh, the dynamic that most yeah stayed with me. Mm. So I'm I'm gonna talk a lot about the dynamics and the process that brought to the film, because that was really impressive to me. Well, well, okay, let's start. Let's start with that. Uh, first of all, um, just in case people haven't watched the film, let's let's to give them a sort of general sense of the story. Um, how how would you sort of summarize the story? Well, it's a story that is settled in 1995 in Austria, which is the outskirts of Roma. It's a small town which is on the seaside, close to Roma, and the two main characters are uh, Vittorio and Cesare the two friends in their 20-something, I would say, 
um, they belong to each other since forever. So they're more brothers than friends, let's say. And they spend their days in illegal activities. So mostly they uh, use and sell drugs. And yeah, they basically hang around, uh, messing around a lot. Um, would you like me to spoil all the film or should I stop somewhere? Uh, I, I, yeah, I, I think well, let's not spoil the ending. Although it's not, it's not a film necessarily of twists and turns. <laughs> I mean, it, of it, course, no, it's not. Vittorio decides to become to sort of renounce his criminal past, his criminal activities. Yeah, he experienced uh, like an hallucination moment due to drugs, and mm. so he decides to change his life. He tries to resist to this call to the dark side, we could say. And he also tries to rescue Cesare as well. Mm. So this is where we start from in terms of plot. Absolutely. And this film was like, um, it's what, 2015? Yeah. And Claudia Caligari, the director, had made, I think, like just two films before this. Is that right? Yeah, this was the third film of his. And he was a very peculiar director because uh, uh, he produced, uh, he realized the uh, these three films uh, in a huge amount of time mm. compared to what the usually production schedule is supposed to be, uh, mm. and which I strongly disagree with, by the way. So this is also one of the reasons why I chose this film, because uh, as I was saying, like the process is super interesting and it's super peculiar. So his first film was um, Amore Tossico. Again, I don't know what about the translation, but it would be like Toxic Love. Mm. And uh, it's, uh, I think, 1980. It's in a way the father of don't be mean, don't be bad. So there is a lot from that film that still we can find it again in uh, in Non essere cattivo. And then a few years later, so the second one was uh, L'odore della notte, The Scent of the Night. I'm literally translating word by word. I don't know what about the English title. <laughs> and that was 1998. So yeah, it's like around 30 years. So one film each 10 years. Yeah, it, it is the scent of the night, by the way. it's That's exactly okay. right. The, uh, I'll just check Amore Tossico. Toxic love. Toxic love. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it makes sense. So what happened is that he, he has been doing documentaries and uh, this attitude is something that he brought uh, into the process of literally the storytelling, the casting, and uh, the way of experiencing things that he was talking about. So this is something that really stays with him for all the career. There are a lot of things to say about uh, this process. Uh, I don't know if you want to like dive into or if there is sure, something. Sure, sure. That... I mean, this is what interested you as a filmmaker yourself. You sort of look at this and you see a parallel to your own work, right? Yeah, totally. Um, I think that the element that is uh, most outstanding into all this dynamic is the fact that uh, he was not writing in a room like in front of a laptop or with pen and paper, but he was literally experiencing the environment he wanted to talk about. So in this case, he spent two years in Austria, hanging out with people, talking with them and trying to understand what was happening on a social level, first of all. Um, and this is something that I totally relate to because it's uh, something that, of course, compared to what the story is about, uh, I, I tend to do. So this tells you that it's not like um, having the right idea, but it's kind of getting rid of your obsession in a way mm. in experiencing it, in 
staying the most with people and uh, and creating a community. So this is also another element that for me is super important because what happened uh, during and immediately right after the realization of this film is that uh, Claudio Caligari died. Mm. So um, this is super relevant uh, in terms of what the film means today, because uh, it was his third, his third, but also his last film, and uh, a huge community had uh, to finish the film. And I, I would say that, yeah, of course there is a community, so it's uh, a bunch of peers. Uh, but uh, the person that uh, I think spent the the biggest efforts in that is uh, Valerio Mastandrea who is a very well-known Italian actor. He's uh, brilliant. He's been working in, I think, most of the greatest films we could, we could mention now. He has been working with uh, Virzi, with Paolo Genovese. Uh, so just to, to mention some films, Tutta la vita davanti, di Virzi, or La prima cosa bella, sempre di Virzi, Perfetti sconosciuti, Perfetti sconosciuti by Genovese made a, a big splash. So I, I think it's, pretty well known as a, as a film. So yes. he he's the producer of the film. He doesn't um, play any role. So he's not in front of the camera this time. But he was the main character in um, The Scent of the Night. So this is how they got in touch. This is how they met. And this is there is this um, sentence that uh, he quotes sometimes, which is that um, Claudio told him, I I'm dying as a loser and I only made uh, three films. And he answered him, you know, there are people that made more than three films and they're still losers. So th- this tells you a lot about uh, how he perceived himself and how the community around him perceived himself. So it's um, there is like a, a huge gap in this term. And uh, what happened next? Uh, happened um, Banda Caligari, the Caligari gang. So all these people gathering together and taking common decisions in terms of editing, in terms of uh, releasing the film, in terms of financing the film, because they ran out of money and Claudio was not there anymore. So they they had this huge legacy and they tried to take common decisions. And this has a lot to do not only with art, but uh, with the way you perceive the world, I think to act uh, as a community thanks to the film. So it's like the film was the pretext uh, to get along, to get together and to create something, which I think should be the very ultimate goal to all of with all of that, all of um, the cinema. So it's, as I often say, it is, it's, it is supposed to be like a funnel, not more than a funnel or a, a context. That's really fascinating that because that's really opposed to that idea that we have so common of the auteur of the one person making all the decisions and you know even we even sort of value them behaving badly as if that's some sign of artistic seriousness that they're shouting at people and all the rest of it but this is sort of the opposite of that where there's a sort of democracy involved and there's an involvement of everybody i mean you have directed um small body piccolo piccolo corpo which uh, a fantastic film um which is available uh, available on streaming services in the uk and the us uh, i i believe did you use some of the lessons that you that, that you see in non essere cattivo uh, don't be bad did you use those uh, from that story in the production of your own film I think so. Uh, maybe not on a caution level, so I was not aware of it, but I totally relate to what we're describing in a way. Yes, because 
for me, the community is what is necessary and what is uh, meaningful in the dynamic. So again, what I was mentioning at the beginning. So in terms of investigation, there is it's something that I do as well. So I right. literally love spending time in the location, no matter if it's just uh, looking at the lights changing through the seasons, through the day, or um, talking to people at the bar. Mm. Like literally spending time in the villages, uh, looking for old people usually, and uh playing cards with them, losing every time. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, drinking wine, and it, it sounds like I'm on vacation, this, descri- this description, but uh, it's more about like really getting in the mood because um, the stories come out there. It's not just staying in the room and writing and typing mm. what, uh, what is on your mind, unless you're doing a documentary about yourself, of course, but then I don't think we would write a, a script. So... This is the first part that uh, I totally relate to, so the investigation. And then, yes, the community, because otherwise we would be um, video makers and not directors. So I think that uh, the the way I mostly feel comfortable with is perceiving the director role as someone who, yes, directs the path of the others. So it's not about uh, um, telling them what to do, but there is this term um, um, that is from uh, from Greek, from ancient Greek, which is myeutica. So it's, in a way, helping, facilitating people to take them out uh, the best they can have, they, mm-hmm. the best they can offer, in terms of, of also human beings, and not only about professionals. So I think this is what I really like about uh, working in, in cinema, in cinema dynamics. And I think he was really good as well in doing so. So he was really taking care of people and taking care of stories. And so for me as well, it's like, um, I think I like to tell stories where my affection is. So I'm fascinated and I'm interested into things without knowing why on a logical level, a lot of times, but I'm mesmerized, I'm captivated by things and uh, I feel that my attention, my care, and so my affection goes there, and I start taking care of things. And uh, this dynamic uh, is, um, um, it, it becomes a pandemic in a way, on the best, uh, in the best um, meaning of the term. So it's contagious. Once uh, you, you know, so once you see someone taking care of something or of someone else, uh, Maybe you wonder, maybe you question, and it's like, oh, she's so much into it, uh, but it's it's effective. So even though people, so no matter what the department is, uh, maybe they're not really into the story, but they can tell that I can take care of things. Uh, and so they start to uh, maybe take care of uh, one aspect or sometimes of me. No, maybe this sounds uh, a bit uh, <laughs> twisted because I don't really need someone to take care of me in that sense, but... Uh, um yes it is contagious and so it's like what happens is that uh, like no one is left alone anymore so no affection is left alone and um, and this is so precious and it uh, happens to be a healing process after all so yeah i know exactly what you mean so you you have some people not necessarily looking after you but watching your back and and you know you can, yeah. you can if you can giving you space to uh so you can concentrate on on what you're passionate about 
and commit yourself to that and know that somebody else is is going to pick up some of the other things that you, you you don't necessarily have time to concentrate on and you see how how mutual and you see how mutual it is because in a way you're taking care of them and of their past and they're taking care of yours so it's like um, if you ever get lost, uh, they will be able to bring you back to the past, to the things you wanted to say. Because sometimes it can happen, especially in my case, which was my first picture film. So I got confused uh, here and there. But there were people reminding me, oh, this is what you wanted to say. You remember that this is you. I mean, this is your instinct. And so I was like, yeah. So sometimes, um, because we tend to link instincts to nature and to spontaneity, but I partially disagree on that. So sometimes we need people to bring us back to our instinct uh, because we're looking ourselves too much from the outside. And you know what I mean? So <laughs> Absolutely. That's so interesting that the collaboration is actually a way of sort of maintaining your vision by, mm-hmm. by you sort of give it to other people. And, and that means that in any given minute or, you know, situation where you're making decisions, they can sort of guide you back, back, because they know your vision. Whereas if you're just keeping it all to yourself as a single sort of dictator with the only person with a vision, then you don't have that collaboration. You don't have that help. In that case, I recommend uh, to change uh, medium. So <laughs> to rather go painting in open fields. I mean, because it's not a lonely field of art. It's very mm. crowded. Mm. And uh, this is uh, its strength. This is also it's also its weakness sometimes because if it gets too crowded and you get lost in that, uh, of course it can be dangerous. But yes, if we're defining it as a community experience uh, guided by a person that uh, can um, express uh, the willing of the whole community because we created it around uh, an affection yes it totally works and it works absolutely that's a, that's a really interesting way of looking at it i think and it's it, and it's something which uh we, which you can also see in the films themselves going back to um don't be don't be bad so the story that you 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 uh, told us earlier on you um uh, of of the film itself it's set in the 1990s which uh, watching the film, I was sort of thinking that's a really interesting place to set it because it's like, I mean, an interesting time period because it's sort of pre-mobile phones. It's sort of the the cars are all very chunky, and um, and yet it's not like a, a period so far in the past to be covered with nostalgia. It's not the seventies or or even the eighties, which which would have sort of musical and and fashion sort of signifiers that have become to some degree fetishized perhaps more recently uh, wh- why do you think he's he's putting it in the 90s is it is that uh, to do with the people he was meeting and talking to or or is uh, did he just want some distance mm, i'm not sure i cannot properly answer this question but i think that uh, in that moment uh, in italy we were witnessing something that was on a social level it was right on the edge. So um, what was happening was that um, in some, well, first of all, um, in some parts of every society, so in the outskirts of society, and this is what we're talking about, um, it doesn't really affect uh, what is going on on a higher scale, meaning that um, to make a comparison with more body. So if it was settled in the half of the 19th century, it wouldn't change a lot. Because uh, if there is someone that is ruling you, so he's telling you what to do, how to do that, uh, 
Um, so he's a dictator, and no matter where and when it's settled, you will still be in the outskirts, and you will still be no, like no, below. What, what the, yeah, you will not above the opposite. So you will still be below them. So you will still have a dictator. What was happening at the time is that, uh, in a way, the institutions are absent in this story. If you don't have rights, then you don't have duties. So it's a give and take. And I think that that was the last moment where we're still on the Pasolinian, Pasolinian time. So at least this is what he perceived. That was the last time where something could still happen. So something you, you could still fight back before surrendering to the speedness to the high level speed. Uh, this is what I mean in terms of work. And uh, yeah, you could still resist to it. And they both try to do that. And then, yeah, we know how it ends. So we know what, uh, what it takes to survive in this kind of society. I think that was the reason. I mean, I'm not, uh, I'm not very prepared on sociologist uh, themes, but this is what I perceive in watching the film. Yeah, it's really interesting you mentioned the Pasolini sort of connection here as well, because um, uh, looking into the film uh, after I watched it, and actually while I was watching it, I was sort of thinking of that Pasolini film. I hope I... This is the point where you have to correct my pronunciation. Um, (laughs) Is is it Acatone? Acatone, yes. Yeah, okay. Akatone, which is an early Pasolini film. It's his first feature. Yeah, it's his debut. And it's about a sort of guy who is, again, I think he's on the periphery of Rome, and it's a very sort of, it's a Rome which is, well, I mean, that that's one of those interesting things, like Ostia here as and, and, and the, the Rome of Pasolini. It, it's a place of sort of poverty. It's a place, it, this in this case, non essere cattivo, it's very wintry. Mostly, I mean, it gets a little bit summery towards the end, but it 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 it's it's not um, il bel paese. It's not this beautiful mm-hmm. sort of l- luscious place that you want to stay there and sip your negrone while you uh, you know it. It's a place that is um, you know falling to pieces. It's a place which is a bit decrepit. A place of nightclubs and car parks and uh, and and abusive, as as you would say in Italian, the you know casa abusivi, you know the sort of buildings which have been thrown up without much respect of building regulations. So it definitely, yeah, it definitely has that connection with with Pasolini, and I, 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 and it is one of that's what I really I'd not seen this film before you recommended it, and I, I really was interested watching it, fascinated in fact. Uh, is that I love this strand of Italian cinema where you're watching stuff where it's really made for Italians. It's not made for a sort of tourist version of Italy. I think it's made for everyone in a way because it's like uh, like to to make a, a crazy link. Uh, if you think it's like Kelly Reichert approach to cinema, so talking about the outskirts of society and pointing out uh, without judgment. Uh, without like uh, making it like a tautological essay on uh, so this is society now or this is what society used to be. But going back to primary instincts, uh, to primary stories as well, so they're universal. They're very specific in terms of uh, time and geography, but as well, you could relate them to a lot of other uh, countries and continents. Yes, of course, it's diverging from the nice postcards, 
But I think that every country, so every culture has its own postcards, and this is definitely not the one. You were mentioning like Sipi Negroni and so on, so La Bella Vita and uh, eating pizza and going around like exploring the city with a Vespa. But still, I think that every culture has its own postcard. In a way, regarding Non Essere Cattivo, it's very much related to um, the middle class dream. So in a way, like it's like the middle class dream could save you, but then eventually it doesn't. It will not. It will not because it will never be enough. There is another film that is um, the debut film by I Fratelli d'Innocenzo, which was in Berlinale uh, in 2018, I think. And it was uh, La Terra dell'Abbastanza, which I don't really know how to translate it because Abbastanza means enough. So it's like the enough land, the uh, word by word translation would be the enough land, but I'm sure that this is not the um, international title. And this is what the title is talking about. So will it? Just to give you the um, the translation, it's or, or or the English title because it's definitely not a translation. The the English title is "Boys Cry." Wow. Okay. No. So <laughs> I'm gonna offer you the word by word translation, which would be the enough land. So it's like will the question, the not even hidden question in the Italian title is. Uh, Will it ever be enough? So will we ever stop from wanting more? And I think that this is what Caligari um, is questioning in this film. So will it be enough? So will the the new car, the new job, the new house, the new girlfriend, the new the new whatever you want to put in the list because uh, it's a uh, without end list. Will it ever be enough? So if you cannot go back to your roots, to your to your truth and um, to, to who takes care again, going back to care again of you. Will it ever be enough? So it's like a rabbit hole in a way. And at the end of the day, it's like finding a way to survive and taking out the most of uh, really, uh, not in terms of uh, like uh, economical aspects or um, social goals, but really what is healthy for you, where your, again, affection stands. It's peculiar the fact that it's, uh, now I'm linking it, the fact that uh, the, the film is settled in um, Austria, and Austria is where Pasolini died, by the way. So this is where he was murdered. Yeah. In, in fact, yeah. Uh, yeah that's an, another sort of layer to the film of this. I mean, it's this kind of beach community sort of, uh, and that sort of gives it, there's something very melancholy about the, the sort of the beach in the middle of the, uh, in the middle of the winter. I mean, there's a there's a great scene in the film where they're playing football. It's sort of one of the sort of few scenes of of like sort of unambiguous to begin with, unambiguous sort of just mucking about and enjoying themselves. And then uh, he gets he he falls and he gets um, a syringe in his hand and he's they're, now they're worried about AIDS and now um, and it, and it, it's just like wow that's that's not even play, even the beach is full of these dangers even this sort of and even playing is full of danger you don't see it coming because it, it uh, totally tricks you like you you're expecting to spend uh, an afternoon with them. Uh, looking at them, hanging around and messing around with them, whatever crosses their way. And then this is what crosses their way. So, yes, it, it's like going back to what is going on in those years. Uh, and, uh, yeah, 
it's totally unexpected. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about the the two characters. So, and and also um, expand the the, the uh, our discussion a little bit. As you say, it isn't it is made for everyone. It's not only made for Italians. Um, uh, the friendship between Cesare and Vittorio, Cesare played by Luca Marinelli, who's since sort of become very, very famous, I think, internationally and has appeared in yeah. some uh, loads of loads of uh, films. Martin Eden uh, perhaps was his big uh, breakout role. And Alessandro Borghi, who I lo- I know less well, but um, he's absolutely stunning in this film. He's, he's, he's brilliant. Um, they're sort of... Uh, Reminded me very much of Mean Streets, the the friendship between Johnny and um, Harvey, the Robert De Niro and Harvey Keitel character um, in Martin Scorsese's film. Cesare, the Marinelli character, is the one who's much more. He's the one who's always going to be in pro- in trouble. He's the Johnny boy of the of the mm-hmm. pair, but at the same time, he's also kind of, in some ways, the more childish of the two if that's uh or childlike um he's the one who has who gets the teddy bear for instance and has the niece yeah. who is yeah. uh, uh who he looks after and who who seems to be like the one of the few sort of human beings he has a really strong relationship with uh, he, he, they can talk on the same level as her because he's basically not that he's not much he's not much more mature than uh than she is He's still a child in a way, so he preserves his uh, purity and uh, he really doesn't care about the consequences and uh, he's going to suffer because of it. And uh, he's the one who is resisting to the the calls from the society. So what is expecting, what, what it is expected from him and uh, he will not surrender to it. So no matter what it takes, but maybe because he is not aware of what the consequences will be, he will mm-hmm. resist to it. While Vittorio, so Alessandro Borghi, is definitely the one who is aware of what is going on, on the small level and on the big scale, on the both of them, and who tries to find compromises, which with, with compromises, it, it, goes, it goes with a lot of pain. Mm. So... Mm. They're they're both losers somehow on this uh, dynamic, uh, but uh, one is resisting, so one is being um, is remaining fair, truth to himself, and the other one is trying to find compromises. And I think that, that yes, definitely Scorsese is a link. Is a I don't know if it was a reference, like uh, um, a clear reference uh, in the mind of the director, um, but yes, the characters definitely resonate uh, in Scorsese movie and. Regarding the fact of how they ended up there, um, it's funny enough because um, they were both working already a lot. So both Alessandro Borghi and uh, Luca Marinelli. Luca Marinelli, especially uh, before this film, he had um, several small roles in other films uh, and he was already the main character, so the main actor in um, uh, Solitude of Prime Numbers Mm, by Saverio Costanzo. But this was the film that definitely was uh, the film for the both of them. So after right. that, they were like in the Olympus in a way. And uh, also Silvia D'Amico, who plays the girlfriend for the both of them, by the way. So she's mm. the girlfriend of uh, Cesare at the beginning. And then she happens to be the girlfriend of uh, Vittorio. No, the other way around. So at the beginning, she's the girlfriend of Vittorio and then the one of Cesare. They made a slash after that. 
And again, they were actively part of this community of the Caligari gang who took care of the process. And if I remember correctly, I think that the two of them were literally living together during the shooting uh, and they were uh, trying to find a way to really dive into the characters. So they were fasting together because they needed to lose weight uh, in order to look more nervous, more um, yeah, active on that way. And so this really bonded them. And then we found them again together in uh, the Eight Mountains. Uh, right, of course. Year. Of mm-hmm. course, that's mm-hmm. where I've seen Alessandro mm-hmm. Borghi. He's amazing yeah. in that film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's, it's the two of them together again. So it's kind of moving after so many years because it's uh, almost 10 years that they're together again on the screen. That's Playing so... again something that is like more brothers than friends. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, that's such a that's such a great connection. Well, I feel like a complete idiot for not having seen it. Of course, I, I, no, I remember but... Luca Marinelli, but um, Alessandro Borghi looks different. I mean, he there is that thing, as you say, they fasted and they've lost weight, so they're very he. You know, they they they, they look like two hungry young guys. I mean, hungry in a very literal sense. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I think they were. I think they definitely yeah. were. Yeah. But also, I think it affects uh, your uh, your acting when you're really hungry. You know, mm. I I usually get um uh, get bad when I'm hungry, <laughs> so get, I get uh, no hungry. Like, oh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I get angry when I'm hungry. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, there's that brilliant scene as well. I wanted to point out. I mean, there's there's some really good comedy in here, even though you know it's it's a film about sort of doomed youth. It's a film about people who are trapped in a sort of noirish sort of criminal environment that that is quite familiar as a cinematic thing but there's also sort of the comedy of like them trying to live their lives as normal workers and and you know it's almost like becomes almost a silent comedy sort of scene where he's knocking things over and ladders are tipping over and such uh because they're they're so incompetent um and i really liked even though it shouldn't really be a comedy scene, but it, it did feel like it, it was in that there where they sort of have a fight and it starts off as a very serious fight, but by the end of it, they're sort of both lying on the floor, just, just weakly slapping each other and trying to get and there's so there's there's that sense that these these guys are never really gonna hurt each other, no matter how much they argue and fight. No, and they also know that it it could go on forever. So mm. what's the point in being so energetic in fighting? Because uh, it will never end. <laughs> so <laughs> it's, be- it's better stop uh, stop slapping each other. Yes, it can. And in a way, it's kind of um, uh, it, it could also become a caress in a way, mm. a tender way of uh, of being together. But it, it, because they're bodies that they belong to each other. Yeah, I I did I did think that as as the scene progressed, I was thinking, oh wait a minute, is this going to go into a sort of a homoerotic, uh, you know, area? But even without that as a as a sort of explicit thing, there is a there is an intimacy that doesn't necessarily even have to be sexual, which is still, um, which is there, you know, which is these guys are completely comfortable with each other completely you know they've as you say they've known each other since since the year dot and they're um 
uh, th that pairing that that that's it's it's so enriched the film now to think that they come back in uh, eight mountains. That's uh, that's uh, it, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Um, when this film came out, then you it, you said it sort of established these actors and established and and it and it it had an influence uh, on on Italian cinema. It was it was. I mean, I, I saw that just by. Uh, serendipity. I know you're in France at the moment, but by serendipity, I'm in Italy, and the Netflix started showing it this week. Yeah, I read it, and I was like, "Wow, this is perfect!" Because uh, I hope that well now people will have chance to watch it. Because the fact is that Caligari was left out from the big audience and the big uh, business logic, mostly because of his um, way of working. I think so because of his schedule, because. We, we don't have to forget that we're always dealing with an industry. So we don't talk about the industry of the water painting, and there is a reason why, but we talk about the cinema industry. So as well, I, I suffer a bit sometimes because it's like mm. there is someone demanding you and asking you to be on time, to follow a schedule. And as we both know, and as we all know, it's not about like having an idea while you're having your shower and then the day after that uh, you're shooting it takes time it takes you have to be stubborn you have to be resilient and you have to find money to convince people so it takes a lot and sometimes you can get lost in that but most of all it takes time to go to the core of things so i think that there is kind of a misreading of how the creative path goes at least talking on my perception it's like you don't find the idea hidden in a field uh, inside a box uh, and you undig it uh, and it's ready and then you shoot it. It's not like that. It's not that there is a fairy coming and whispering in your ear. I wish it was, but no, it's more fun like this. You're, you have like an intuition. You don't even know the reason why. So you start this process of investigation that we were mentioning and it's like rebuilding something that uh, is not there. So it's rebuilding something that, uh, according to what Caligari wants to do, is naturalistic, but is not real. Mm. And it's really like a process of going back to something that uh, has been built and and like rebuilt it and uh, destroyed every time, because then you, you will have to do this process with every department uh, all the mm. time. You will question the process. You will question the idea. It's very easy to get uh, lost in this, like I'm getting lost in this sentence, because I don't really <laughs> remember how I started with. But in a way, yes, he was left out from, uh, from the very big audience, because uh, he was slow, and I'm using quote, uh, because I don't really think that he was at all. Right. So he was really in touch with his feelings. He was in touch with the necessity of telling stories. Uh, and it took what it took. But because of it, because uh, if you're not smart, if you're not ready, if you're not fast, uh, it's very easy to be left out. Uh, and in a way, I, I know it's not comparable, but uh, I I finished my first feature in 2021 and uh, it has been released uh, in 2021 and 2022. I already feel that I'm late for the second one, you know, already, even though... Everything went good and I'm writing and I'm happy and we're financing. But uh, there is constantly something, sometimes even not spoken, not even said in a clear way that, okay, what's next? What's next? And 
that is the industry. So sometimes it's very difficult to be in touch. Like you want to be ready. You, you don't want to be left out from this dynamic because you want things to be seen. But then what would you really like to see if I don't have nothing to say? And it takes time to understand what you want to say and what is affecting you. Oh, that's, that's such an interesting way of putting it. Absolutely. Because, you know, you're not just producing product. You're not just producing content. You're producing ideas you know you've got and, and as you say that that's the one part the, the the most vital ingredient and if you haven't got anything to say then maybe yeah you should have a think for a few years and and when you've got something to say then you say it you know rather yeah. that rather than you know i need to i need you know to produce x you know, in, in, in X amount of time, you know, uh, that's, that's, yeah. that's really fascinating. I did want to, I do, do want to talk to you as well about, um, Piccolo Corpo, small body. Um, I, I, it was a film that I feel, uh, felt very individual and very, um, it felt very unique in my, in my viewing. It's a period film set, set around just, just for our, for our listeners who might not have seen it and without spoiling it. Um, it's set in the northeast of Italy. In uh, 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 well, it begins near sort of Trieste on the beach there. Again, a sort of wintry beach <laughs> that is yeah. a connection with the film, um, and tells the story of a woman whose whose baby has has died and uh, without being baptized, and she is uh, she goes on a sort of epic journey really into the mountains to a sanctuary of the breath where hopefully the baby can be revived only for the space of one breath so that uh the the soul will be saved and the um uh, and the and the baby will be baptized in a short space of time it will be alive once more um this is such a magical film and it's so magical not in a sort of well, going back to the fairy again, <laughs> not in a sort of fairy yeah. dust way, <laughs> not in a fairy dust way, but in a you know that it's just got there's so such a presence of myth in here and and uh, the the possibilities of of other realities, uh, and yet at the same time it's it's absolutely earthy and and. Um, I'm saying all this so so that you don't have to uh, sort of advertise it yourself. If that's okay, <laughs> I hope I hope I'm not misrepresenting it. No, you you pitched it perfectly. You pitched it perfectly. Oh, really. brilliant! <laughs> yeah. Um. So, and the reaction to this film was a, was amazing. You know, you got uh, you got some great write ups coming out of Cannes and coming out of, and you won some prizes. You won prizes across the board in Italy as well. In the in the the there, there was the. Yeah, the David Di Donatello has best debut, and uh, well, I, I could mention the European Film Awards as uh, yeah, best debut. Yeah. So how? So 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 yes. Now you're on. Now you're feeling this pressure about your. And I don't want to add to that pressure by saying so. What, what no, are you, you doing? Not... <laughs> but, but I mean, and and you feeling that pressure it, as you've just said it. It is also there must be a part of you that's also feels quite in that you're in quite an enviable position that you you are in a in a moment where you as an artist you know you can do this 
You you know what I mean? It's like you. It's like a mu a musician who's played their first gig, and they like, okay, I know I can do that. I know I can get on stage and play this. The fact, John, is that uh, um, I I don't really feel it. Uh, like I don't feel any position in a way, because I'm I'm really grounded. So yes, I feel the pressure in terms of time sometimes. Uh, and uh, well, starting with the fact that I totally think and hope that people survive no matter what I'm going to do. So they don't stay up night uh, thinking, oh, what's going to Laura do next? So, uh, and I highly recommend. I do. No, don't, because I think life is much more interesting in your own shoes, in a way, <laughs> not expecting things from other people. But of course, it's about expectation for everyone in his, her, their life. So. Yeah, what I, I I feel the pressure sometimes, and I think that this is something that uh, we don't talk about enough in this society. So, um, but regarding every job, regarding every role we play in other people's life, and uh, sometimes we pretend we're cool with that. Like, oh yes, of course I can deal with that. I can deal with this uh, deadline. I can deal with this expectation again. I try to find solutions, like practical solutions to experience life properly. And I'm not talking in the terms of what my job is, but uh, who am I as a human being? So I love being surrounded by people that I love and that hopefully love me back in a way. So I, I don't really believe in that way of saying that uh, we should all take our enemies even closer, that our then our friends uh, i prefer to have friends closer than enemies because i don't want to be pushed back by anyone so <laughs> but but yes this is definitely in our business in our environment is definitely something that we don't really share um because we think it's like it's like uh, not nice maybe to say uh i feel the pressure now because it feels like oh you have everything but what is everything i mean it's amazing receiving awards because of course it can put the spotlight on what you're talking about but you are not the film you did you are a person you're not the job you're making you're not uh, uh so it's already passed in a way so i i tenderly love uh small body because it's uh, it's my son or daughter we should say in a way but that film walks uh, on uh, its own legs now, so I'm not there to carry his hair there and anymore. So, and it was not like that uh, since the very beginning. So, mm. again, going back to the community, the film is not mine anymore. Once uh, I started talking about the idea with just one person, so as soon as you start talking with someone, you are already a community. And the fact that I love the most is the fact that, uh, yeah, especially Smobody, it's all about community because uh, we had like a heritage, like a legacy from what the real Pigui Magis were. So there was an existing community even before the film, even though it's far away in the centuries, starting with the 16th century, there was a community of people pilgrimaging uh, to these shrines, to, to the centuries. And then we were a community in rebuilding this story in a way. So already the, the troop is, uh, uh, the crew is already a community. And then there is uh, the audience community, which brings together people from foreign countries. They don't speak the dialect. They, they are not Catholic. I'm not as well, but who cares about limbo anymore? I don't personally. It doesn't even exist anymore since 2007, but still we know what loss is. We know how painful it is uh, being detached from things we love. So I love this fact of having like a, a red uh, 
line, like um, something connecting all these communities. And uh, in a way, we can go back to Caligari again. So I love the fact that there is a community taking care of your legacy again. Someone's carrying the light and, uh, yeah. you know, the light doesn't belong to any one person. It's just uh, it, it's just passed on. As soon as it's sparked, it belongs to everyone. And you don't lose anything in sharing that. Uh, it's a very like a socialist way of thinking about art. It's not like uh, it's mine, it's private, and I'm going to keep this secret forever. So like, for example, it's something super difficult at the beginning for me, because uh, now that I'm writing the second feature, I want to talk about it with everyone down the street, uh, like uh, sharing ideas and uh, asking questions like, have you ever experienced this or that? And then no, because it's not time yet. So of course there are like, uh, marketing strategies, uh, industry issues. So you don't have to talk like, yes, but not that much. So you have to uh, really be careful about the amount of information to give. And this is working so badly with my attitude because I really love sharing. That's the fact. <laughs> and this is why I'm telling, yeah, this is why I'm telling that uh, for me, it's a funnel cinema. Right. It's a, it's, it, it, it's just going on. It's like a river. That, that he, it's hard to stop. I mean, it, yeah. it reminds me of the lines from uh, Percy Shelley, the poet, uh, talking about love. He said, love in this differs from golden clay, that to divide is not to take away. You know, you share it mm -hmm. doesn't mean it, it, it doesn't mean if you share it with two people, it doesn't mean they get a half each. It means they get one and one. So it becomes two, you know. Yeah, and it's like the flame that you mentioned. It's like when you light up more candles, you're not losing the fire in the original candle. So it's still there. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. That's that's amazing, and I I totally sympathise with you as well as a writer. Um, I'm someone who's often thinking up new ideas and putting them down on paper, and I, I I have to restrain myself from giving everything away by telling everybody about it, you know, because that's my first. I guess it's like st a storyteller. I mean, my impulse is to tell stories, is and that that means speak to people about these things, you know. So yeah. It, so you start a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great idea of sharing and being together because. Eventually, at the end of the day, it's all about not being alone with our feelings, I think. Not in terms of fearing loneliness, because it's also nice sometimes, uh, but in order really to, to see if, like to verify that also other people feel the same way we're feeling. Mm, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, listen, Laura, I, that's been absolutely wonderful talking to you about uh, uh, non essere cattivo, don't be bad or don't be naughty would be our translation. But there you go. The, the, <laughs> the English title is don't be bad. And I think you could find it. I mean, we can find it in Netflix in Italy. So uh, have a look on your streaming sites. I'm sure you'll be able to find it. But the best of luck with your new film. And uh, and I, uh, I I can't wait to see it. Thank you so much. Yeah, I can't wait to know more about this project since I'm in the developing moment. Yes, so. Brilliant. Brilliant. Thank Brilliant. you for inviting me, John. I'm super happy. Thank you so much. Great. Thank you, Laura. It's lovely to see you. Um, have a good Sunday. You too. Okay. See you in Canada. Ciao. Ciao, ciao.
Arrivederci ragazzi. Ci vediamo in un prossimo film. Lo speriamo.